This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on all things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome. It is the Friday edition of the Super Bowl edition of the Ringer NFL Show. We are here. We have made it. We are finally at home. It's the 22nd week of the NFL season. It is the last ever Friday show for the season, previewing Rams, Bengals, uh, the topper of all toppers for an incredible week of podcasts here on the Ringer NFL feed. I have been so like I am joined as always by the inimitable Steven Ruiz and Kalen Jones. Steven, how are we feeling? How are you feeling? Is this the Harden trade taking over? Good. Or is it the Super Bowl? Or is it yes, both? that is, I, I accept. I will say this morning, I hated the fact that the NBA trade deadline and Super Bowl media week were the same week because I was trying to like focus on a work and instead I was doing like a, okay, I'd be fine with it giving up Matisse. Like, you know, it was not good in terms of general focus levels. Once it happened, which happened like two seconds before you and I talked to Mike Evans, and I had to immediately like tamper my emotions for 15 minutes, uh, it made me feel much better. It was a great sigh of relief. Uh, so yes, James Harden is a 76er. I am here at the Super Bowl, and it's been a great week. I am also joined in person at the Super Bowl by Kalen Jones. Kalen, what's up, man? What's up? It's nice to finally meet everybody in person. I mean, except Steven. Would be nice if he was here. Miss you. <laughs> Even though I've never met you. But I'm there in spirit. I'm there, there in spirit. spirit. There I've go. been enjoying getting to uh, uh, always take the mickey out of Steven on every single call I've been on with him about the fact that he isn't here, which is such bullying. And I feel so bad about it, but also just so easy. They, the NFL wouldn't let me come within 50 feet of Justin Herbert, so I wasn't allowed. Yeah, to there is a restraining <laughs> order situation at the end of this entire season of shows. Now, uh, Justin Herbert was on Slow News Day. You can find that episode up by the time this podcast drops. Joe Montana is on it. I also know the other people who are on it. The lead singer of Hootie and the Blowfish is on it, and I learned that because Kevin was very upset that I didn't know that that dude's name, which I have since forgotten, is the lead singer of Hootie and the Blowfish. Darius Rucker. Kalen, did you know who who Darius Rucker was? I know who Darius Rucker is. I don't uh, know who Beauty and the Blow is. that the same yeah. thing? Yeah, same, Hootie same and the guy? Blowfish is his band. Hootie and the Blowfish. Yes. Oh, apologies. Sorry. So, officially, I'm the only person who does not know about Hootie and the Blowfish and Darius Rucker. 
whatever. Uh, they are on uh, uh, Slow News Days. You can find that. You can find a bunch of live NFL Ringer Green Room stuff. There's obviously a ton of pods this week with NFL players, with NFL coaches, with college players, with various combinations of the Ringer NFL staff. But this is our Friday show, which means we start, as always, with Game of the Week. <laughs> this week is... Rams, Bengals, your Super Bowl, and we're going to preview it as we've done for the, a lot of the playoffs in depth because we have a little bit more time. Um, there's a ton of articles up at thebrigadafl.com, which you can always go and find. I want to start uh, with, honestly, an article that Steve and I got to write together, which is just a ba- basic, massive scheme breakdown of Bengals offense, Rams defense, early downs, late downs, tendencies, tendency breakers, and kind of a ton of stuff you should expect. Steven, number one thing that stands out to you right now, purely X's and O's, right? In terms of on the chalkboard, what's the thing this week that you're most interested in, that you think matters the most, what needs to be talked about? It's it's Jalen Ramsey, like how the Rams are going to I said to X's and O's, him. and Steven named one individual player, which is the opposite of X's and O's. I said how they're going to, to deploy fair, him. He's one yeah, of the X's on the chalkboard. pretty big X, yeah. <laughs> I want to know how they're going to play. Are they going to lock him in, co- in man coverage on the backside of trips if they put uh, Jamar Chase there? If, he could, if they do, I think that makes the game more fascinating from an X's and O's standpoint. If they're unable to do it for whatever reason, whether Raheem Morris doesn't think that's the best strategy, which I wouldn't agree with, or they just can't cover anybody else, I think that dictates that side of the ball, and I think that side of the ball is is what's going to decide whether this is a competitive game right. or not. So I, I really think the, the talent disparity is big enough where the Rams should run away with it on paper, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see what Right, happens. so I want to talk about this because if shadowing a receiver were easy, I think you'd see it done a lot more, right? And I think fans also always kind of think like, oh, our top corner should go with their top receiver. That's intuitive. That makes sense. But a lot of teams don't do it. There's reasons why they don't do it. But, for example, the Rams this year have not necessarily done it too much. Uh, if you go and, and you have an ESPN+, Plus, you can find an excellent piece by Bill Barnwell, which he previewed the entire Super Bowl from a lot of different angles. But one of the main angles he was focusing on was this idea of how Jalen Ramsey is going to be deployed. And as he wrote, Morris's Rams played zone defense 68% of the time during the regular season. It's the second highest rate. And obviously in zone, as opposed to man, it feels harder. It seems harder to have a guy follow. So when you say you got to lock Ramsey on chase, it's what makes sense. I'll be disappointed if Raheem Morris doesn't do it. Get elbow deep in that for me. How does that end up working against the full gamut of the Bengals receivers in their passing game? Yeah, I mean, like, are there any coverages now that are truly just just zone coverages? That's the thing. I think... Even if technically the Rams are playing a lot of zone, there's going to be opportunities for Ramsey to play what looks like man coverage if you're just looking at right. their individual battle. And that's all I want. I don't want him to change the coverages they do. I, I still expect a lot of cover one, cover three. I expect a lot of quarters on late downs. But just I just want to see Ramsey move around with him. And I think that actually helps you from a defensive standpoint because you can disguise your coverages better. I think there was a a clear tell what kind of coverage they were in based on where Ramsey was throughout the season. Deontay Lee of PFF has pointed this out before. I don't think you can can give the Bengals those tells because they have these two jump ball winners on the outside. They have a quarterback who's so good at making those throws that if Joe Burrow knows what you're in, he's going to know how to attack it, and he's going to have options on either side of the field to attack it. I think the only way you can really slow down this explosive Bengals pass game is to have Ramsey be able to line up 
cross some chase, win, their, win chases on the outside, and not have to worry about him getting beat over the top. If they are worried about that and they have a safety dropping to his side, I think it makes this a T. Higgins game, and I don't think the Rams want this to be a T. Higgins game. Yeah, I, I'm, I want to ask about T. Higgins. I do want to bring up That's these numbers opinion. really quick from Next Gen Stats. Chase was shadowed, which is followed on 65% of his routes by their scouting, uh, on five games this year. He had Jerry Jacobs in Detroit. Uh, three for four for 88 yards. Marlon Humphrey in week seven, five for seven, 165 yards and a touchdown, also a pick. Brandon Eccles in week eight, two catches on six targets for 11 yards, touchdown and a pick. Shout out Brandon Eccles in the New York Jets. Uh, Eric Stokes, Green Bay in week five, four for eight for 82 yards. And then Michael Davis for the Chargers, three for five, 32 yards and a pick. If you're telling me that you can shadow Chase and get like an 80-yard game and like maybe a touchdown, maybe a pick, I think the Rams like probably take that deal but like you said once you put Ramsey on chase now you're entering the Darius Williams slash David Long on T Higgins world and Caitlin you've talked about this uh, about this with me a lot that feels like a substantial problem for LA especially with how T Higgins has been playing down the stretch right but the thing and you pointed this out they should be able to mitigate that by playing different types of coverages where you have safety help over the top because you can play one-on-one chase Ramsey go mano mano and then allowing you know more numbers on that side of the football where you have people overshadowing like whether it's Boyd T Higgins downfield but my thing is there's a consistency factor when it comes to David Long and Darius Williams while Williams was outstanding last year it took him a little bit this year to get into stride and I think he's played stronger down the stretch and I think we've seen flashes from David Long but you're asking them to play big in a big game and not to say that they can't show up, but I'm not as confident they will as you know I am that Jalen Ramsey will be able to. And I'm more confident that T. Higgins and Tyler Board are going to show up because their quarterback is Joe Burrow. If I told you, because this is a, a, a thing we've seen people talk about, Seth Lina PFF wrote about how if the Rams live in bare fronts, then there's going to be open spaces to attack those linebackers behind that. It's like a bare front is a five down front. Mina Kimes on, 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 uh, on ESPN NFL Live talked about how the Rams' pass defense is really good except for one area of the field, and that's that short middle of the field. If I tell you that the Rams do a great job of funneling targets to the short areas of the field, Tyler Boyd, C.J. Uzoma, you know, Jamar Chase on a screen, Joe Mixon on a flat route. Are you, are you thinking, all right, Rams victory, Rams defense performs? Are you thinking, you know, maybe that's the plan, but I don't think they're going to be able to execute that plan to the degree to which they hope? I think that it's still a Rams win, but that's still not an ideal formula to me because middle of the field, if you got C.J. Uzoma and Tyler Boyd dominating middle of the field, that means Troy Reader is probably going to be a factor. That means Eric Weddle is probably going to have to be a little bit more of a factor. Even if it's Joe Mixon getting swing cap, like pass out the backfield, you're asking those guys to make tackles in space. And, yeah. you know, they've, they've brought it. Like Nick Scott hits hard. There's a lot of awesome players with that Rams defense. But they miss a lot of tackles. And you have to be on it, especially in the Super Bowl, because if you give the Bengals an inch, they will take a yard. I very much agree. Steven, same exact question, because I know you wanted to say it as well. Uh, the Rams are forcing shallow targets. Did that mean the Rams won on defense, or does that still leave a, a, a sliver of, of a possibility for the Bengals to have a good offensive performance? No, I think Kalen made a, a, a really good point. This is a, a game where tackling for the Rams is going to matter a lot because they are going to give up their short throws, agree. but I think that's by design. I know like the numbers don't look good in those areas, and I know Seth, Galena, and suggested that this is actually it's going to work towards the Bengals uh, benefit because their offensive line is so bad and Burrow is going to be able to get rid of the ball quickly but 
this was an offense that was powered by explosive plays. If they're dinking and dunking, I just I don't think that's a recipe for success right. for Cincinnati because one, the offensive line is so bad. If they mess up one play and you have to dink and dunk your way down the field, you have one negative play that derails the drive. That's what the Rams' whole defensive philosophy has been built on the last two years is not giving up explosive plays. I, I don't think the Bengals can fall into that trap. They have to play their game in order to stand a chance in this game. If they play mm-hmm. someone else's game, they try to play like Tom Brady played back in the day with New England, it's not going to work. So, yeah, I would say Rams win if that's the case. And it's funny because, like you said, like if they have to become that dink-a-dunk team, it's not good for them and not good for their prospects. Guess how they've won these freaking playoff games? <laughs> they've done that, right? Like That's what they did against the Chiefs, and it was incredible the fact that they kind of were able to, to, to sneak by with that. And that's the Bengals have been able to be fluid and make those adjustments both sides of the ball and get enough done to arrive here. That offense, though, but their offense hasn't been very good. Right, it, like has, it hasn't been very good. No, not but, at all. And they're, but they're here. Like, and that's, that's, the, that's the difficult thing is that that's a hard, a hard truth to reconcile, a hard reality to get our mind around. Um, I'm extremely proud of this podcast for talking Bengals offense versus Rams defense for like 10 minutes before getting to the Rams defensive line, which is cool because I think it means like we're covering it, like, you know, like we're talking about interesting things, but it does deserve mention because the other thing that can elicit a lot of short targets, quick throws, Joe Mix and CJ Uzoma, is the idea that this quarterback uh, is under constant duress and that the offensive line particularly is not going to be able to hold up against the pass rush. That's how you nullify a pass rush. You get rid of the ball quickly or you move the pocket. And the Bengals really don't move the pocket, so you're going to have to get rid of the ball quickly. Uh, I... I'm looking at this like, from a lot of different angles, and what I see is a quarterback in Joe Burrow who took nine sacks against the Titans, came out next week against the Chiefs, and I know, Stephen, you, you, you believe in this because we were talking about it like way last week, just was throwing the ball too quickly, was just getting to his checkdowns too fast, was unwilling to make those explosive throws. And it, it's not necessarily like, a, oh, it's because he got sacked nine times, he's like seeing ghost Sam Darnold thing, but it's like you can't tell me – 21 weeks of this hasn't got him to the point where the internal clock is a little bit going. And when you line up against the Rams and everybody's been talking about it for two weeks and you see 99 and you get hit by him for the first time, to me, I worry a lot about Burrow's internal clock in this game, which I think will inherently have to get quick, just getting too quick, too fast, too early. You know what I mean? And that sucking the opportunities for some explosive plays out of the Bengals team from the jump. And so my thing with the Bengals, and I'll be curious for both of your guys' thought, we'll start with Steven, is my thing is I, I would like to see early runs. I would like to see early under center play action. I would like to How let this you. offense get into a rhythm before you start asking Burrow to take one on the chin. Because I don't want to live in a world where he's in his fourth drive and he's like, oh, all I'm doing is getting hit on third down. I have to live in the quick game right now. I want him to be confident holding that ball for as long as possible for as long as possible during the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, this isn't what Bengals fans should want to hear, but I think this is a Zach Taylor game. Like, Zach Taylor, you need to show up, buddy. You haven't been showing up with your early down stuff all year long. They were 17th in early down EPA, which is amazing considering what they have on that offense. That's unacceptable. And everything they do that's like Zach Taylor's part of the offense has not been very good this year, like the play action, the under center runs. But if you're going to get the Rams out of those two high shells after the snap, like if they're able to play quarters and play too high all day long, I don't think the Bengals are going to have a lot of success. But the one way to get them out of that is to start running. If they start gashing them, Raheem Morris is going to drop a safety into the box, and maybe you get a T. Higgins on a Darius Williams downfield. I think that's the only way you can really 
you can get to that stuff. And like you said, you do it by running on, on early downs, play action passes on early downs. That slows down the pass rush. I think it solves a lot of issues. The one thing is, can you execute and can you remain efficient doing it? They haven't done it all year. If they do it on Sunday, I think they have a decent chance. If they don't, I, I have a hard time seeing them winning. Yeah, I, I don't know, man, because the Rams' defense, for you know as much flack as it catches, it's not horrible against the run. It's not horrendous. It's, it's going to be adequate enough. And my thing is, like, even if you're getting Joe Mixon enough, like, run early on, as long as you're not, you know, relying on Burrow to push the ball downfield and take those explosive shots, then I just, like Steven was saying, like, unless they stick to who they are, Mm-hmm. I don't know if they have a shot in that, but I yeah. could be wrong because I've been wrong each of the past three weeks with the Bengals. The Bengals so. are the, the defining, I have been wrong for three weeks, so why should I not just be wrong for four weeks, team? Three weeks? Uh, I've been wrong for 20 weeks. <laughs> yeah, <about> exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to the canceling later. Uh, regardless, I will say one thing that really interests me in that regard, Stephen, the safety's point is critical. One, another one in Next Gen Stats, Nuggets, versus light boxes. Uh, Joe Mixon outgained his expected rushing yards. They kind of model out how the blocking looks, how the numbers look in the box, and then figure out how many yards you should gain. Against light boxes, Joe Mixon outgained rushing yard expected on only 31.5% of his carries, 24th of 39 running backs uh, with 50 light box attempts. This Bengals offensive line gives up penetration against fronts. And if you want to play in a light box, you need to make runs take longer such that your safeties have time to get down into the run fit. And when you can penetrate Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, Von Miller, right? You saw them do this against the Niners really well. Get upfield and make these runs stretch out, make these runs take a while. All of a sudden, that light box ain't a light box anymore because the safeties have time to come down off the roof. It would be so nice if the Bengals could run the ball early in this game. And it just we haven't seen it all year. I've referenced it before. They tried really hard out of the bye to learn how to become that team. And it just sucked, and they couldn't do it. They tried to do it against Fangio's Broncos. It was horrible, and they quickly scrapped it and became this pass-happy team. And I think, again, like you, one game is always a one-off. Maybe they get it. Maybe with two weeks they find the designs they want. But, man, this is the week where you just – Chase was the right pick. This isn't a Penny Sewell thing. But you just wish you had a little bit better of an offensive line so you could get this running game going. Yeah, I think, I think we need to bring up that Broncos game because – there has been some interesting splits when the Bengals have played Fangio, Staley, coaching tree defenses. They haven't had a lot of success. They're averaging 19 points a game. They're one in three. And I think part of it is probably it's a small sample size and maybe I'm reading into it too much. But you watch or you look at the splits in those games and the kind of coverages they played and the kind of throws they forced Burrow to make. And there was a pattern. I don't think it was just random chance. I know there were interceptions that kind of skewed the numbers a little bit. But they made Burrow throw a lot of outbreaking routes and a lot of short outbreaking routes. This isn't going to be a, a Burrow arm thing either because he made those throws perfectly well. Steven and I just tripping over ourselves to say we're not doing the things we're usually doing, <laughs> right. which, you I'm know, not... we are, but whatever. <laughs> no, I'll save my uh, baby arm Burrow jokes for uh, Sunday. But, uh, yeah, but those throws, I think, limit Yak. Like, if you're running quick outs, all of a sudden the sideline is another tackler you have to worry about. I think it limits Yak, and that was a big thing with Chase, especially when you're playing that soft coverage, and he he needs to take those uh, quick passes and turn them into big gains after the catch. Like I said earlier, this is a big 
big tackling game for the Rams. I think that's probably one of the biggest factors that people haven't been hitting on. If they're not tackling, I think the Bengals are going to be able to move the ball and get those explosive plays without throwing the ball downfield. Exactly. And so even going back to the run, like defending the run and coming downhill in numbers, this is going to be a big Eric Weddle game. Like, crazy enough, dude came out of retirement like three weeks ago or whatever, but he, he was really good against, you know, fitting up the run against the Niners a lot, or two weeks ago, whenever it was. But he's got he's to have a similar performance this week. Otherwise, you know, it's going to look a little bit dicey. I was going to ask Kalen, like it was really going to be my final question on the, the Bengals offense, Rams defense. Uh, you wrote a great piece about like the, the non-stars in the Rams defense. Who's your like sneaky Rams defensive MVP that's not Vaughn, not Donald, not Ramsey? And he's like, yo, it's going to be a big Eric Weddle game, like right before I was able to ask the question. So I'm guessing that's it, but still, uh, you should read Kalen's piece on the Rams' other guys. Anybody else on the defensive side of the ball that you think needs to have a big day against the Bengals' approach? I don't know, man. Um... I think this is going to be a lot of spotlight on Reader because you guys have all made good points. If if um, we go Raheem Morris, if he decides that he's going to deploy Jalen Ramsey on chase, if we're expecting him to have safety help over the top on the opposite side over Boyd and, and Higgins, and you're trying to limit those explosive plays, it's going to come down to how well the Rams can defend the middle of the field. Yeah. And we've seen in the past, I know Zach Taylor you know, comes from Shanahan, McVay, Tree, but... The Niners have had so much success over the years, at least in recent recent years, really attacking the middle of the field in the passing game. And so it, I haven't seen the Bengals do it at that kind of level, but if they're able to access that area of the field yeah. with consistency and force the Rams to tackle, then there's gonna be a lot it's gonna be a lot of stress on Troy Reader. Just because you wrestle alligators for a living doesn't mean you should have the skin of one. Say goodbye to dry and cracked skin with Old Spice Super Hydration Body Wash with Vitamin B3. Made for 24-7 renewing moisturization with daily use. With sense of vanilla and shea, people will think you've taken up candle making as one of your hobbies. And there is nothing wrong with that. Old Spice Super Hydration Body Wash. Shop Old Spice now. Sweet Tarts dared to combine sweet and tart. But we didn't stop there. We combined soft and bouncy to bring you new Sweet Tarts Gummies Fruity Splits, a uniquely delicious dual-sided gummy with one side that's sweet and one side that's tart, but entirely smooth and squishy. Mmm, a powerfully perfect combo. Sweet Tarts, dare to combine. All right, we push it over now. Other side of the ball, Rams offense versus Bengals defense. Uh, I think that in terms of the people that I've talked to and the different rooting interests and people who believe in Burrow and people who want to see it for Stafford in Detroit and people who want it for McVeigh and for LA and for this fan base, I think the single most unifying thing that people are rooting for is that Odell gets his, right? <laughs> and like, hopefully that's like a win in terms of like, like the Rams win the Super Bowl. But even just like this playoff run for Odell, I think has been really validating in terms of like Odell is the guy like he's the guy we we all remembered him as he's the dude we believed him to be it's not necessarily 100% of what it was like Pico Dell with the Giants but the situation in Cleveland for a myriad of reasons that again we are not going to get into in this podcast yeah. uh wasn't good for Odell and now this situation is uh and Steven and Steven in our piece that we wrote together uh we talked on late downs about how the Rams are living now in these uh 
three by one formation, these trips open formations. So it's four receivers, three to one side, and Odell Beckham Jr. to the backside. And this to me is a really cool and interesting thing that matters a lot in this side of the ball for this game. Because most teams, when they go three by one, we talk about it a lot in this show, they put the best receiver at the backside. That's the X receiver, baby. That is Devontae Adams, three by one. That is Jamar Chase, three by one. They are the one. They're on the backside. The only team who kind of really didn't do that is the Chiefs. They have Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. So they would put Travis Kelsey as like the backside three by one, right? And that was even kind of cheesy as well because he kind of is an X receiver because he's lighter and that's just <laughs> how he plays, whatever. The Rams trade for Odell. They suddenly use a lot more three by one formations, especially on late downs. And it's not Cup as the backside, it's Odell. It's because he is that traditional X. He's that guy who can win against one on one. That lets Cup play in the slot and that lets Cup go everywhere. More next gen stats nuggets. Uh, he is the only receiver, Cooper Cup, who has over 200 receiving yards on five different routes this year, which is nuts. He has it on a go routes, on hitch routes, on outbreakers, on crossers, and on, on hitches. Did I already say hitches? It's on five different routes. So this is there's such a variety that he can do from that slot position. And if you are dropping eight into coverage, which we know the Bengals did a lot of, and you are filling those spaces with, with zone defenders, and you have a guy underneath Cup, and on the left of Cup, and on the right of Cup, and on top of Cup, you can take away all these routes. That's great. There's still one dude. Now, if they're dropping eight, then maybe there's two. But there's still one guy stuck on that backside who has to deal with Odell Beckham Jr. in space because everybody else on the other side of the formation. That, to me, is the big one. Like I expect a good cup day because all days are good cup days. Days that end in Y are good cup days this year. But man, oh, man, I think and am rooting for that 100-yard day for Odell, that big, huge performance that reminds us of what we believe this receiver could be when we saw him in the mid-2010s and we thought that he could become that guy. Uh, and I think he's been that guy as well for the Rams. And so my early Rams MVP, whatever prediction, is Odell Beckham Jr. That passing game, Stephen, is, I think, really explosive. And the Bengals don't have a single one-on-one -on -one guy that they like against either Cup or Odell. Yeah, and it's hard to play two high coverages against them specifically like a Tampa 2 style, which the Bengals have played a lot throughout the year because they'll just run those dagger routes. Like that's Sean McVay's whole playbook is, is basically variations of dagger routes where you're sending the guy deep and then running a deep dig in behind him. And if you play cover two, you're going to put a lot of stress on that, that middle linebacker. And if you have Odell Beckham and Cooper Cup running into that area, it's bad news. And one thing the Rams have done so well after getting Odell is complementing the routes that Cooper, uh, Cooper Cup's running from the slot, from that trip side, with the routes that Odell Beckham is running. Like, Beckham runs, like, three routes. And it's usually based off what Cooper Cup is running. Like, if Cooper Cup is breaking out, he's running, like, a sail route, a deep out, Odell Beckham is usually running a dig in behind it. So if you push your coverage to this, the sideline, Odell's open. If you don't, then Cooper Cup's going to get open on that sail route. If Cooper Cup is running, like, a crossing route or an in-breaking route, Odell Beckham is usually going deep or running, like, a stop route. And I think if you're the Bengals, you have to live with Odell running those vertical routes and let Matthew Stafford try to throw 40-yard passes downfield and hope he misses them. That's the, the most volatile throw out of all those ones I just named. So I think that's the one if you're the Bengals. You have to live with it. You can't take away everything. You're not going to take away everything that Cooper Cup does. Like you said, he ran five routes and produced 200 yards or whatever it was. I, I think you have to, you have to live with a, an Odell explosive game but you can't give them those passes over the middle Kalen, you've lived with the rams all, all year right? you've been in la you've been able to get in the locker room uh are you like we're here they made it and so many of the moves vaughn trade odell trade uh or odell signing matt Stafford trade were like oh well 
the Rams are trying to make it to the Super Bowl. To what degree are you still, like, surprised they're here? Which is a dumb question because, like, obviously they're trying to be here and they made it. But they had to integrate a lot of people very quickly. Is there a degree of surprise that they were able to get that done? Yeah, I, I, th- I think there is. I think naturally there is. And because there's a lot of skepticism over the aggressiveness of the move. You know, I think the shock value, especially, like, for Stafford, starting with Stafford, the way that they acquired him and considering, you know, his own, you know, history with Detroit and lack of playoff wins, what have you, there was a lot of, you know, high expectations for a team that already had championship caliber, you know, aspirations. So there definitely is a bit of a sense of surprise. And, I mean, being from L.A., I, I guess that, that kind of ties into it. A lot of fair yeah, weatherness. Yeah. People are like, oh, well, they've collected a lot of stars. Oh, that's cool. But are they actually good? And for them to break through the way that they have, especially because I would say there's a little bit of surprise for me because throughout the year we saw them exactly, falter at different yeah. points. Like the Tennessee game, that was for me. Like going into that game, I was like Rams the Super Bowl. After that game, I was like, "Oh, this is a wake up call." And I don't really know if they ever had a game where they got up off the mat. I think the first playoff game against Arizona was really the coming out party for them, where it it was like, "Okay, this is they have a really legitimate mm-hmm. chance." And then I think they got fortunate that San Francisco actually beat Dallas because. I think Tampa Bay was a better match for them oh, yeah. than Green Bay, and that helped them a lot. And then being able to beat Tampa Bay, a team right. that they had already beaten early in the season. So, yeah, there's definitely a degree of surprise here. But, you know, ultimately the experience that is within the locker room, like Von Miller, sure. who's already done this before, Aaron Donald, a b- majority of this core that's here right now has been, you know, in, they were in that previous Super Bowl a few years ago. So there's experience now there's superstars surrounding them even you know the role players have played at a high level so there's surprise but at the at the same time this is what the goal was and they've been able to accomplish it to this point i think that 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 core is critical right because like i'm looking right now at like the big super bowl advertisement side and like matt stafford and von miller are on it and appropriately so it's matt stafford and von miller but also like this was Donald, and this was Ramsey, right? And this was Cup, who's right. been in the building, right? Like Robert Woods, who deserves mention, was what he did for this team for years. He did it in the first half of the season. Like, they did have – it's not all mercenaries. You know what I mean? There was a legit core. Uh, on Stafford, Stephen, you and I have debated this year the degree of trust that Matt Stafford deserves. And entering the, the, the postseason, I was fading him. I picked the Cardinals, which – that, that's pretty dumb uh, because I wasn't I wasn't sure we were going to get these good Stafford games, first playoff games from Stafford. Are you, how like Give me like 0 to 100 confidence meter in Matt Stafford in terms of the exercised demons or maybe the other way, 100 to 0. What percent chance it is that we get just unbelievable potato game from Stafford, three interceptions, just one of those games that always feels so inexplicable and this just ends up face planting on the biggest stage. Where are you at confidence level in Stafford? entering this game i would say like 85 percent like i remember i remember the streak where he was throwing all those interceptions the titans game but i always got the sense that like they weren't necessarily dumb mistakes like the the ravens pick six looked bad but other than that i thought it was just poor throws and we got reports that he was hurt his back was hurting so maybe that explains it but even later in the season when he was throwing those picks against the 49ers in the last game those were throws where he was just tossing it downfield 50 yards. If you throw an interception in that situation, it's like there are different types of interceptions. There are dumb interceptions, and there are interceptions just based on the throw, like the difficulty of the throw. And I thought we saw a lot of those. 
I don't know if Stafford has – I know he's earned this reputation as a guy that can melt down and throw a bunch of interceptions, but I don't think we've seen really any of that throughout the season. I, we haven't seen stretches of him just making dumb mistake after dumb mistake. It's been poor, inaccurate throws that have led to mistakes. I wish right now I could show people the graph I'm looking at, which is um, from runningbacksdon'tmatter.com my least favoritely named but very useful website, uh, which has the EPA per play <laughs> on passing dropbacks and on running ga- running downs. And I'm looking at it specifically for the, the postseason. And if you could see how much worse the Rams are than every single other team in the entire postseason this year, it would really make you think, wow, there's just no chance. There's just no way that Sean McVay becomes like a heavy early down running team again, right? There's no way Sean McVay, like, there's it's so obvious. You traded for Matt Stafford. You got Odell Beckham Jr. Your running game sucks. Just don't do it. Just don't do it and just throw the football. I'm very worried that Sean McVay is going to run the football a lot in this game. And that's because he's shown us his stripes, right? He, like, a leopard does not change its spots. We have seen him continue to rely on early down runs, rely on first and 10 runs, even when the running game is at negative 0.45 EPA per play. You know, the only team that's remotely as bad? Cincinnati Bengals. Wow! Uh, unbelievable Super Bowl we have right here. Just two four seeds with such, like, clear issues, and they're just both here. But anyway... Um, Daryl Henderson potentially back. Sean McVay is talking about a three-headed backfield. Uh, we brought up the fact that if the Bengals' offense isn't getting what they're getting, in, what they want in the passing game, it'd be really nice if they could run the football. And that would get them to the spots they need to be. It could pull that safety down to the box. It could really uncork this thing. The Rams going to face drop eight. Matt Stafford has 41 passing attempts this year against drop eight coverage. Extremely small sample size. Eight guys dropping into coverage. But in those 41 throws he's been really bad third worst quarterback by success rate by epa per play in the event that you aren't getting what you want out of the Bengals, in the event they are dropping eight into coverage and they're playing with three down looks it'd be really nice to run them out of that so the exact same question caitlin we'll start with you go to steven that we asked for the Bengals. uh any degree of confidence in the rams being able to run their way into the passing looks that they want to have yes or no i don't have a lot of confidence in the personnel i think the scheme might be able to work, but in terms of the personnel, I think the Rams, because they have a lighter offensive line, you're going up against B.J. Hill and D.J. Reader, who have been playing out of their minds really this postseason. Good. Really Trey good. Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard is like one of the best defensive uh, ends in terms of run defense. I mean, it's a tough proposition, and especially because I kind of like the, the Bengals linebackers. They're, they're more athletic. I don't know if they're that great against the run, but they're pretty good. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's a tough proposition for them to be able to run the football. I don't think that's a good matchup either way, especially when you look at the trenches. So, Same question, Steven. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball. I really like those defensive tackles the Bengals have. But I don't necessarily think they have to run the ball because I think they can, get to the, they can get explosive pass plays from those run, uh, run formations. They haven't done it a lot. I know you touched on this uh, in, in the piece, the game plan piece we did, and we talked about it, that – those early down formations that they used to run a lot of play action out of with Jared Goff, it's because they had to run those plays out of those formations. With Stafford, they have a drop back game they can go to. But as long as you keep lining in those formations, I think the Bengals are going to react by dropping that, dropping Von Bell into the box and playing those one high structures. And I think just, just keeping them honest is all they have to do. I don't think the Rams need to have an explosive run game or even a productive run game i just think they need to be able to run every couple of plays to be able to keep the Bengals honest so they can take those deep shots when they want to take the deep shots 
I think it's different from the other side of the ball because the Rams, while the offensive line isn't very good either, at least in the interior, they don't have the offensive line issues that the, the Bengals are going to have in this game. Third and five, third and six, third and seven isn't as scary for the Rams, at least in my opinion, as it is for the Bengals because they don't, the Bengals don't have Aaron Donald. Yeah, no, uh, very few people have Aaron Donald. I would say there's only one team that has Aaron Donald. That would be the uh, Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> uh, we are on now to our second segment, a classic, uh, Games Which Need Games. And if you've been a regular listener to the show, you might be wondering, how are you guys doing games which need games when there's only one game to be played? To which I would answer, you're about to find out. We're about to find out. Um, we're not, <laughs> we haven't done our <laughs> single game show schedule yet. But well, we have built it out that way. And so we have done games which need games. Uh, we start, as always, for the final time this year, with Steven canceling usually a team. In this case, I think it's just a general something. Steven, please, for the final time, cancel away. Uh, I'm going to cancel myself. Because I've been... <laughs> I, I've been... He, the exact same sigh as he does every single time. Every time. But it's himself. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm forced to cancel. Like, I, it was my idea. The segment was my idea. So I'm not going to blame anybody. But, like, six weeks into it, I was like, damn, I'm going to have to keep canceling these teams. It's going to make me look like an idiot. But, no, I'm canceling myself. And I'm going to suspend myself from being on the Friday preview pod for, what is it, eight months until the new season starts? For the next eight months. Just about, yeah. That's the cancel culture. That's the, the result is I'm canceling myself. And I'm canceling myself because I did not believe in this Bengals team. I picked against them, like, every week in the playoffs except for against the Raiders. I didn't think they'd make the playoffs. I had Joe Burrow arm jokes. I was making Jamar Chase jokes when he was dropping all those passes. I didn't think he was a separator before the draft, so I, I had him as my uh, receiver three. I'm canceling myself. Damn. Bengals fans, you win. The Bangalorean, you have won the season. Good luck next <laughs> season. I'll be back. I'm going to study the tape and return better and stronger. It is worth, yeah, re-emphasizing that Stephen got into a fight with a Bengals fan account called the Bangalorean in, like, the first month of the season. And then they made the the Super Bowl. They made the fucking Super Bowl. (laughs) I thought, like, oh. The ba- it's the Bengals. Like, the, what's the risk? Like, they're, like maybe they'll make the playoffs, but they're not making the Super Bowl. And now they're in the Super Bowl, and they're prob- probably going to win. So to review, uh, all season long, Stevens cancel list from the jump. Wait, 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 wait. Hold up, hold up. Can we? I'm going to do like a hit or miss. I'm going to keep tally. Okay, so I have the sheet. I have it. But producer Arjuno Ramgopal has produced it for us. He's been tracking it all year. This is my first time looking at it. Uh, I learned when I saw it, we didn't cancel a team in week one, which seems shocking. Uh, I would have guessed that we had God right off the rails, but it begins in week two when you canceled the AFC number one seed Tennessee Titans. Uh, so that was a bad one. I'll take an L for that one. Week three, Minnesota Vikings? No, that's a W. That's a win. Okay. Yeah, week win. four, Seattle Seahawks. Really saw the, oh, the injury coming. Really saw the injury coming from a mile away for Russ. Let's not act like he was good before or after the injury either. I guess it was a little better. <laughs> I had an but. Eagles guy who was talking about a rush trade today tell me, hey, 10 touchdowns and one interception before the injury. He was good. Mm-hmm. Watch the oh. games, buddy. Maybe not. All right. Week five, Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, big W. Feeling strong from the jump. I don't care if they made the playoffs. That was a W. Uh, I will note that all four of those teams won the subsequent game that after which Steven canceled them. His first victory in terms of Small canceling a team, size. and then they lost, was in week six with the Carolina Panthers. 
Oh, near and dear to my heart. I, I never get the Panthers wrong. That's a <laughs> yeah, W. Yeah, uh, Week seven was the Seahawks again. It was Seahawks in the same month. It was October. Two of the four cancellations were the Seahawks. All right. I'm not going to get a W for that, but I'm not going to do it now. I'm going to say I already did it earlier in the right. year. I don't get double credit. Week eight was a pass. It was N.A. I don't remember why. Week nine, the Broncos. Yeah. Yeah. Won the, won the subsequent game. And then he got hot. Next six cancellations lost. All right, so this this was this was the, the strong finish to the season. Week ten, Chargers and Joe Lombardi. Yeah, good idea. Yeah. <laughs> We're still on that train. Week eleven, are you ready for this? Seahawks and Russell Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> Steven was really, really hammering that one. Do you know who else year. wants to cancel the Seahawks and Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson. <laughs> Russell Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair point. Yeah, just just quietly. Steven's been working for Russ this whole time, man. He's just been he's been getting laying the groundwork for this offseason. Okay, so that's the third one. I promise it's the last Seahawks related one. Uh, week twelve, the Browns. Perfect. Week thirteen, the Falcons. Great call. Week fourteen, Ravens and Greg Roman. Nailed it. Week sixteen, Bears and Matt Nagy. Nailed it again. Week sixteen, I canceled for you. The Tennessee Titans, which is how we had started. And at this point, they were like 93% to win the one seed. And we still, I canceled them again. They didn't win a playoff game, though, so I feel like you should give yeah. yourself a W. Yeah, you, that that's, what that's a W. That was right after the Steelers game, which they lost with four turnovers. And I was like, guys, we can't keep doing this with this team. It's just so bad. Uh, week 17. Uh, NA, I think that was like Christmas week or whatever. We had to get up in schedule. And then week 18, surprise it took us this long to get there, uh, the Dolphins. Nice. So I I only had two L's, Mark. By your estimation, you only had two L's. Hey, that's, all, that's, Mark, that's all that matters. Steve. That's all that matters. <laughs> I went um, ten and two. I'll give my I'll take away the Steelers W and I'll make myself nine and three. That's a hell of a that's a hell of a record. Nine and three <laughs> gets you the number one seed, baby. <laughs> Steven said uh, Titans may have been the one seed, but in the cancellation bracket, I had him beat. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I would strongly say canceling a team was probably the best running gag we had for the entire season (laughs) on a show entirely predicated on running gags. Thank you, Steven, for your hard work in that regard. Uh, Games that need games. Kalen Jones, up to you now. Yeah, no, we're going with thoughts and prayers for – I'm still up in the air because I want to say thoughts and prayers for Cincinnati's off the line because I feel like it's very obvious. Aaron Donald, Uh Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, but also thoughts and prayers for the interior of the Rams, dude. You're going to yes. miss DJ Reader. I, I very much agree. To me, like because of how big of the disparity it is, Bengals to Rams, not enough people are talking about Rams Bengals. Exactly, exactly. And so, I'm saying, man, like I, I, we saw how Jeffrey Simmons completely changed that Titans Rams matchup earlier in the season. And hey, I'm not saying DJ Reader is at that level, and I think he's capable. He's not a sack produ- production wise like that, but. He's able to affect the pocket from the interior, and while Matthew Staff, you're asking Matthew Stafford to play out of structure, out of pocket, he's not horrible at it, but that's not his strength, especially if you're able to get there with three. Like you were saying earlier, like being able to drop eight, if they're able to get the pressure him without having to do too much, it could be an issue. Yeah, and like we got to remember, like all the rush three, drop eight talk, Stafford against rush four, drop seven. 
was the problem in the middle of the year, right? Mm. The Niners were getting interior pressure. The Titans, Jeffrey Simmons, right. were getting interior pressure. And those were the bad Stafford games. So, yes, thoughts and prayers go out to the Bengals' offensive line because that's everybody this week. <laughs> but also thoughts and prayers go out to the Rams' offensive yes. line because they haven't been getting the attention they deserve as a, a unit that's in need of our assistance. Uh, my final game, which needs game, is, of course, uh, putting a team on must-win watch. Uh, has to be done. This <laughs> is really, really win, win or go home game here that we got this week uh, between the Bengals and the Rams. It's a win and go. If you win, you go home too. Win or go home, but also win and go home. Rams, it's a win and stay home game, obviously. Also a lose and stay home game. There's a lot of relationships between the outcome of the game and, and where the Bengals go. Rams, not so much. Regardless, uh, my actual legitimate must win watch is. Rams head coach Sean McVay from last Monday to this Saturday because, man, oh, man, the Rams got punked in the first Super Bowl they played with McVay. Uh, and they, they only scored three points on offense. It was a terrible game. It was a terrible offensive performance. And ever since then, McVay has talked about how it is all his fault, how he overprepared, how he, he did not do what he should have done to get his team ready for that game. Zach Taylor said this week in his, his presser, like 80, like he said, like, I, I still haven't gotten over it, right? That entire, like, Rams offensive coaching staff was just shell-shocked in terms of how easily they ran it on everybody all year long, except for Vic Fangio's Bears, go Fangio, uh, and then subsequently just got pantsed in that game against, against the Patriots. So... This is, this is, to me, the most interesting thing of the week, and it's the, the must-win of the week for that reason. McVay has to have figured out how to properly prepare for a Super Bowl without over-preparing for a Super Bowl, but without over-correcting like, and under-preparing for a Super Bowl. Like, I can't imagine psycholo- psychologically yeah. how tough that this has been for him this week. Like, he is a workaholic at heart, and he's probably very cognizant of the issues that that created for him four or five years ago. So my must-win of the week is this week for Sean McVay and what he did in preparation. I, I feel like Belichick being the coach that he faced off in his first Super Bowl had a lot to do with that. Like, if you will go back and watch his mic'd up from that game, you could tell from before kickoff that he was like, oh, he didn't know about it. Like, he he went in there thinking, I got to beat Belichick. It's Belichick. He's going to have a great plan for me. There's, like, a clip from before that kickoff where he's like, I just want to see what their plan is for us. I just want to see what they're going to do. I think he really got in his head about Belichick being this great game planner, especially in the Super Bowl, and he tried to have answers for everything. Now, going up against a Zach Taylor coach team, I feel like pressure's off, buddy. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about that. And that's not to take away from my man, Big Lou. I still don't know how to pronounce his last name, so I'm calling him Big Lou. <laughs> and don't care. Don't care to learn. <laughs> Sticking with Big Lou. McVay and Les Snead spoke the other day. Like they, They've all touched on this. The experience of that previous Super Bowl helps them in preparation for this one. So not only in addition to not, like, psyching yourself out because it's Brady and and Belichick, but, like, the questions that have been asked this week have been mostly centered around, like, is, you know, the investment for Stafford, has everything that you guys done in terms of building the roster, is it worth it, you know, just to get to this point, and then if you don't win, is it a failure? That's more where the pressure is coming from as opposed to, I think, schematically, game plan-wise. McVay seemed a little bit more laid back, even last week, you know, heading into this one. One thing that I will say, which is kind of interesting, is the fact that this Rams coaching staff 
has seen so much turnover that it's not a lot of coaches that are left over from that, right? You have Sean McVay, Kevin, Raheem Morris and Kevin O'Connell are both new. They were both not on those staffs, right? Uh, O'Connell was, right, he wasn't added. He was, yeah, he's two years the offensive coordinator. He was pass game coordinator in Washington in 2019. So he's not been there, right? And then you have, like, some positional coaches, right? Like Eric Yarber, the wide receivers coach. He was around uh, senior coaching assistant. John Bonamago has been there for 19 years sick. But, like, Thomas Brown, two years the coach. Zach Robinson, assistant quarterback's coach, three years the coach, right? They are a super young staff that turns over on offense and then also on defense, right? Because you had guys who were brought in by Brandon Staley. And so, like, there isn't too many demons to exercise the coaching staff besides Sean. And that's why it's the must-win week for our boy, Sean McVay. Oh, very happy we got a must-win in on Super Bowl week. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save 40% site-wide. 40% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We end as always. With the, with the dregs of the week, the things that nobody wants to watch, give me a reason. And this week, all of the give me reasons are the Super Bowl. You know how it goes. Uh, this week, we've decided, uh, in honor of the, the work I had to do for the entire regular season, uh, in terms of give me a reason, that now the shoe is on the other foot. Uh, Steven and Kalen, I need your give me a reasons to watch the 2022 NFL Super Bowl between the Rams and the Bengals. Steven. The deal is yours. Uh, it's a good game. It's the best game of the year. No, uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, I would have been so angry if that's <laughs> no, all you no, crossed no. to the table. <laughs> that is never acceptable. I'm saying give me a reason for the tweets. The Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford tweets. We're going to relitigate it all over for four hours on Sunday, and I'm ready for it. I'm, like, preparing for it like it's battle. I'm preparing to go into battle against the nerds that, that ripped this trade. They, maybe they didn't rip it, but they questioned the trade. They questioned the trade all offseason. They made the jokes. They made their jokes when Safford wasn't playing well. And now on Sunday, it's time to compete, and we get an answer as to whether the trade was worth it or not. <laughs> yeah. What's your worst-case tweet outcome? Like, what game script is followed such that you're just going to get eviscerated They lose 13-3 to three again. They lose the same score as the last <laughs> Super Bowl. If, was it thir- I thought it was 10-3. to Is it 13-3? It 13 13 to three? Three. That's even worse for some reason. I don't even – it just feels uglier. Yeah, yeah. It was Jared Goff's fault. People forget it was Jared Goff's hey, fault. Hey, if, if, uh, if the Bengals only score 13 points, means Von Miller had a good game. Yeah, so we win that battle. We win that battle. But uh, yeah. we also need Chase to have a, a bad game and, like, Burrow to get sacked a lot to win the battle against the nerds because yeah. they were definitely on the right side of history for that one. I got to give them credit for that. <laughs> yeah. They, the, I think, I think the chase one, we might just have to swallow the pill on and just, just generally accept that one of the best rookie receiver seasons in history is just going to chalk us up for yeah, an L I'll there. Take it. I'll um, take that L. 
Caleb, what's what's your worst case outcome for takes? Like in terms of your season long takes on both teams, what is nightmare situation for the game? Wow, I, I don't know because I pick, I picked the Rams to make the Super Bowl, so. Oh, so okay, you're fine. Yeah, but the <laughs> Bengals, dude. I mean, like I didn't doubt Joe burrow again until the doggone afc championship game so i don't know i just feel like i doubt him too much did are you did you take rams super bowl like preseason preseason yeah how how were you just bringing it if either steven or i had done this oh i, I did i brought it, it up a while weeks. ago yeah i brought it up a while ago okay. on, like mid-season though but okay. see it was right before the titans game then oh, it was the titans <laughs> game and i was like down. dude every you should have week. a shirt that says i picked the rams in preseason to be here Dude, yeah, so two years at the Rieger, I'm going to brag now. So last year, I picked Chiefs, Bucks. I'm pretty sure I was the only one on staff that did that, but I picked How the Chiefs How are you to win. not talking about and this more? this year, picked Rams, Chiefs, but the Chiefs let me down. So close, three of, three of four in two years. Damn. This is incredible, and it's especially incredible because I have the 2020 one game picks sheet in front of me in terms of when we picked games of the week and Kaylin performed the worst of the three of us. <laughs> Steven was 26 and 20. I was 24 and 22. Kaylin was 23 and 23. Hey, and look, you know what? No, no, you're not about to do it. I need a fact check. I love RG, but we need a fact check on this. All right, what's I need the fact s- check? I, no, I, I disagree. I will go back. Stop the count. And, stop no, the count. Stop the count nope. right now. Yep. Stop the count. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Well, I, I will say we probably did bully Kalen uh, into one or two. Please pick against us, so that way we're not all in the same things uh, picks, which may have tanked his record. But either way, okay. Uh, Kalen Jones, who picked the Rams in the Super Bowl preseason, also had Bucks Chiefs last season. Set your bets to his clock. Get him on the Ringer Gambling Show. Uh, Kalen, your give me a reason to watch this game. Go ahead. I mean, I'm going to go with the cool reasons. Go watch Joe Burrow. Go to watch uh, Jamar Chase against Jalen Ramsey, and we get to see Eric Weddle, you know, show up out of retirement. There's a lot of cool ass storylines in this, and you know, if Sean McVay can pull it off, I mean, I don't have any wacky reasons, unfortunately, failing our guy Arjuna here, but Extremely I owe him for, for selling me out for all my game picks. Apparently, that were bad. Aggressive, extreme boo. Because that was a legitimate give me a reason. And I was told during the season that those were unacceptable. And I was constantly at every turn look, turned down look, for trying to give legit reasons to watch a game. I was going to say to watch whoever is singing the national anthem, but I have no idea who's singing the national yes. anthem. Maybe you watch for the halftime show. I'll be watching right. for the halftime show. We learned, fun. Yeah, we learned today, Kaylin and I did, uh, who was singing the halftime show. Steven, do you know who it is? Yeah, I know who's doing the halftime show. Well, or no, excuse, excuse me, not the halftime show, the anthem. My apologies. Who's singing the anthem? Oh, no, no idea. No yes. Idea. And we were on a green room with Nora, and Nora was like, it's Becky. I don't know. Some country remember. singer, right. yeah. And and was like, guys. <laughs> and we were just like, man, this is not. No, no. We yep, don't know. This is not me. for us. But anyway, mm. it's been a long time since I didn't know the actual singer of the anthem. Usually I feel like it's, I don't want to speak ill of this person. I don't know. But I feel like usually it's somebody with like a lot of clout. At least enough clout that I know who they are. Um, I didn't have to prepare Give Me a Reason, but I did. And my Give Me a Reason for the Super Bowl is the same as all Give Me a Reasons are for all Super Bowls, which is, and Steven actually stole it, which is sad, get your Jared Goff tweets off for the Super Bowl. We finally, for one last time this year, get to take a run at Jared Goff in the first season without Matt Stafford. So I appreciate the fact that after 22 weeks, I finally figured out how to get Steven such that when he had his Give Me the Reason, uh, mine was the exact same. So it's always Jared Goff based for me. Yeah, absolutely. You know that. <laughs> and if Jimmy had made it, 
Oh, buddy. We would have been on the exact same train. We were good either way on that one. Uh, that will do it for not only the Ringer NFL show, the Friday Ringer NFL show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, but it will do it for the pre-Super Bowl coverage here on the feed. There are still green room opportunities for live audio. There are still other feeds, like the Ringer Gambling feed, which has shows coming out, finalizing picks and whatnot. Uh, you can still find written work at theringernfl.com. But in terms of the regular Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 podcasting of this feed, which has gone on now for the 23 weeks of the NFL season, that's it. And it feels tremendous. I'm very pleased uh, to be putting the cap on all of that with particularly Steven and Caitlin. This is the first year for this show. This is the first year for this trio. I had a very, very, very good time. I thought we did some really, really good work. All of our Super Bowl expectations besides Caitlin and all of our criticism of the Bengals, notwithstanding, I thought we did a uh, really good job preparing out. So I appreciate you guys uh, for joining me on the show. It was a lot of fun. Thank you, of course, as well to all of you who listened. Uh, Friday show, Monday show, Wednesday, th- Wednesday show, Thursday show, Tuesday show, and all of the shows in between. Thank you to all of our hosts. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed the feed. You can find me immediately after the game on the Ringer NFL show with Kevin and Nora. We will be podcasting from SoFi Stadium the moment the clock hits triple zeros, talking about what happened in the game and turning our eyes towards the offseason. And, of course, in the offseason, the podcast continue to roll. So for as much as all of we love Steven and Kalen, they will be around on this feed and on the other Ringer NFL feeds talking about offseason. We're talking about the uh, trades. We're talking about free agency. We're talking about the narratives that come. And, of course, we're talking draft. Uh, you can find the Ringer NFL Draft show currently on the Ringer Fantasy Football feed. That's with me, Danny Heifetz, Danny Kelly, and Craig Horbrick. After the season is over, it will migrate to this feed. So if you are looking for your draft talk, you can find me, Danny, Danny, and Craig on that show on this feed. So make sure you're subscribed, make sure you're following, and we will keep the content running through the rest of the season. And of course, last but certainly best, certainly not least, is the thank you that goes to our production team. I wave at Isaiah as I'm looking at him across the table now. I wave at Chris Sutton uh, through our Zoom, as Chris has always been our Zoom guy. Arjuna Ramkapul, who's been our, our, our uh, head producer guy, has been there for, for all of these shows and all the shows you hear on all these Ring NFL feeds. Our production crew is incredible. They deal with me running around, jumping across my microphone. They deal with us waking up five minutes before a podcast and having no idea what it is we're supposed to be talking about. They are a delight. And so we're very thankful for our production team. Very thankful for our hosts and very thankful for you all. So thank you for listening to the Ringer NFL show for this 2021-2022 season. We will be back same time, same place, eight months from now, once Steven is off his cancellation. Thank you again.